trust in God is an act of spiritual surrender. Trust in God is an act of spiritual surrender. It is about opening ourselves to possibilities beyond our own understanding. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with your whole heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and the Lord will make your paths straight. Trust in God is an act of spiritual surrender. It's about opening ourselves to possibilities beyond our own understanding. We certainly may use our understanding, that is God's gift to us, to navigate life, but we don't lean on it. We don't become overly dependent on our own understanding. To trust in God is to agree that God alone has the big picture. God alone has the big picture, and we glimpse that only through a glass darkly. To trust in God is to admit our limitations, our limitations. That's humbling. That's humbling. Yet the humility also contains a marvelous promise. Whoever trusts in God and doesn't lean on their own understanding, the Lord will make their paths straight. The Lord will guide them. Abraham, Abraham looks at his family situation. By his own understanding, he sees that he is aged. He has no child, no heir, and therefore no future. So God takes him outside and says to Abraham, look up. Look at the stars. I remember a camping trip many years ago in Colorado, 9,000 feet up, and there were stars that night, and you could see because there was no light pollution, and those stars were so many and so bright and so close, and their shimmering and sparkling made them look alive. God says to Abraham, look at the stars. That's how many your descendants will be. And Abraham trusts God, trusts God beyond his experience, beyond all the evidence. Abraham trusts that God has possibilities beyond his own understanding. Under the stars, Peter and his companions fish all night long. They catch nothing. Then Jesus says, let down your nets for a catch. Peter feels his aching muscles. He looks at his weary hands. He looks at the bottom of the boat. No scale of a fish. Peter says, Master, we worked all night long and caught nothing. By his own understanding, Peter, if he dropped the nets, could only imagine more of the same. But at your word, he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. 
Peter trusts that Jesus has possibilities beyond his own understanding. And Peter's nets fill with sparkling, shimmering silver bodies, full to the point of breaking. When Peter sees that, he says, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. So Peter hauls that net full of those shimmering, sparkling bodies to shore. And when he gets there, he leaves everything and follows Jesus. Peter trusts that Jesus has possibilities beyond his own understanding. Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. She looks toward the grave where her brother lies. Martha says, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever trusts in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who puts their trust in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that in me the future is now? Martha answers, Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Martha trusts that Jesus has possibilities beyond her own understanding. Martha trusts beyond the evidence, beyond her experience, beyond reason, because of who Jesus is. Martha illustrates that third line in the proverb. Literally, it says, In all your ways, know God. In all your ways, know God. Trusting God on the journey is not about knowing everything that's ahead. It's about relationship. Trusting God on the journey is about knowing the one who holds the possibilities that lie beyond our own understanding. Over this past year, I've become freshly acquainted with this, with trusting God as an act of spiritual surrender, with trusting God as opening myself to possibilities beyond my own understanding. It was actually a year ago this weekend, one year ago, that God placed in my life a new possibility. It was not a possibility I was looking for. It was a new possibility that surprised me. It was a tune I was not expecting. During this year, something one of our own Eden Church leaders said has been a help to me. She said some time ago when contacted by our, well, at then nominating committee, got the call on the phone, she reflected, I never imagined myself 
being asked to serve the church in this role. Never imagined it would happen and never imagined it would happen at this time. So, I better pay attention to this. I've had that impression over the last year. It's not the way I would do it. So, maybe it is something beyond my own understanding. Maybe this is something to pay attention to. I think it's important that you hear some of the story and some of the journey because it's been an unusual one. 2010, 11, and 12 were my most difficult years in ministry ever. Some of you are aware of that. They were difficult enough that I wondered whether God was calling me to, uh, well, not only leave Eden, but leave ministry. I thought I was done. I thought I was done. You know some of the difficulties of that time. And many tried to keep together uh, a good segment of our congregation who felt called in a different direction. And we realized the limits of diversity, and we realized that sometimes trying to hold everybody together can hold everybody back. And so in as amicable a way as possible, we parted company with Mutual blessing, as I recall. But by July of 2012, the stress of trying to hold it all together had landed in my chest. I could feel it bodily. I was tight. I was anxious. I couldn't sleep. So I went to the doctor, and I got medication, I went to see a counselor, and that was a help to help me sort out what was mine to own and what was not mine to own, and to try and begin to plan a healthier future. Now, I'm aware that much of this was going on under the surface. I was functioning. I mean, it wasn't as if I was, uh, you know, lying in bed during this time and couldn't get up. I was functioning, and to many people, it probably looked like there was no big deal going on. But I was terribly empty inside. There was nothing there. But anyway, we kept on, as we did, and into the fall of 2012. And by December 2012, I had a a rare and, as it turns out, very important opportunity. For pastors that are in some kind of trouble and stress, there's groups that can function to help them. And I went to see uh, Midwest Ministry Development Services. It's an independent group that operates out of Overland Park, as well as several places around the country, for an intense day-and-a-half evaluation. And I mean intense. Becky Culler can tell you all of the paperwork I had to submit in advance. Uh, Standardized psychological testing and long narratives about my whole ministry career and my medical history and all these things. It was reams of it. (laughs) And there I met in Overland Park with uh, a pastoral counselor and a clinical psychologist. I really went there, friends, expecting to hear that I was done in ministry and it was time to, in my mid-50s, look for some other employment. That's not what I heard. I didn't hear that at all. 
what I heard was your stress is related to the situation at the present. This is not a disconfirmation of your call. And at your level of experience, you have the most to offer now in ministry that you ever had. What you need at this stage is a ministry to enjoy. A ministry to enjoy. That phrase struck some chord within me. As strange as this may sound, I am quite sure that I never, ever in my life put together the two words ministry and enjoy. But when I heard that, I was intrigued by the possibility and there was a glimmer of hopefulness that I hadn't felt in a long time. There was a ray of light underneath the door. And I left that intense day-and-a-half evaluation with a little lightness and hopefulness. That was the end of 2012. Another thing that happened that month, that month is I received a notification from our denominational um, database services that it was time to revise my MLI, Ministerial Leadership Information Form. It's an electronic profile like a very extended resume and Everybody serving as a pastor or a missionary or agency worker or a chaplain has one of these, and MCUSA has a database that has them all there. And I simply hadn't revised mine for quite a while, actually 2005, when I was coming here. And they'd made some changes in the electronics of it, the program and so forth, so I knew it was time to do it. So I did that in January of 2013. And submitted that, and then, the, as is usual, the call comes from the denominational headquarters saying, what do you want us to do with this? Do you just want us to keep it on file, or are you open to another position? I said, no, I'm really not seeking anything else right now. You can just keep it on file. Now, uh, the person said to me, you know, the, the MLI isn't magic. If, if you even two or three years down the road want to make a change, you know, you need to do some relational contacts too. So it would be all right if you said, say, oh, I could see in myself in Oregon in two or three years, make a contact with uh, Pacific Northwest Conference and the area minister there and just Tell them your plans, and then they can begin thinking ahead as there are pastoral openings and what might be possible as a fit. Well, I took that seriously, and I very lightly, very gently put out a few feelers. Actually, Carol and I were wondering, our most familiar context is the eastern United States. Should we look to go back to our roots? So... Um, I did make, put out a couple feelers. Interestingly, I put out a feeler to um, a group called um, um, Heifer International. Some of you are familiar with that. It's a group that Carol and I have supported for years. A, a non-church ministry, but um, a relief kind of agency that had a position for a senior communications um, person. And um, I probably got late onto that inquiry, and so nothing ever came of it. It was interesting to think about the possibilities. Then I had this strange notion, what if I checked out my old denomination, the American Baptist Churches, from which I came many years ago, 
Well, they had a mission conference in Kansas City in uh, June of 2013. So I, strangely enough, I went up there for a day and I uh, met several people I graduated with from seminary that I hadn't seen for about 30 years. They looked wiser and a good bit older, just as I did. So it was a wonderful reunion in some respects, and I met with two conference ministers from New Jersey and New York State. They were good contacts, but nothing really clicked for me. It seemed like I had really come some distance, and I didn't feel God leading me back in that direction. And then came, as some of you will know, uh, because you were there, Phoenix, 2013, July 2013. And I, in advance, made arrangements to meet with several conference ministers there. And I did. Again, good conversations. But nothing really, nothing really emerged as a fit or anything to pursue. I came back. I came back from General Assembly. And I looked around me and I said, look, we're we're meeting with Dorothy Nichol Friesen. She's helping us adopt a new structure. That's positive energy. Our search committee was up and running, and we had made this contact with this very bright and able young pastor named Derek King. And soon, July 16th, we were to meet this gentleman at, uh, under, the, under the cover of darkness at, at, uh, at Showalter Villa in Heston. And we did, and it was a positive meeting. And soon, the search committee was deciding this is our candidate for associate pastor. So things were clearly turning around, and the the air here was so fresh to breathe, and I began to think, maybe this is the ministry to enjoy. And so what I did was all these little feelers that I started to put out, I put it all to rest. I said, Lord, the best I can tell, I think what you're telling me is be content where you are. Because here is, at least for the next while, is where the newness is going to happen. And so I did. I put it to rest. And I did feel at peace. So we got on with life. And then, one year ago, this weekend, Western District Conference Assembly 2013, We had a break in our delegate sessions, and I had some conversation with somebody I know from the conference, known for a while, not real well, but I know her, and we talked back and forth, and it was mostly just chit-chat and catching up. And then, at the end of that, she said, our search committee is just getting started. How would you feel if I passed along your name? And that was my response. I didn't know what to say. I was shocked. I never would have imagined hearing that. I think she was wondering, you know, what was going on. I finally said, I have to talk to my wife. (laughs) I really was shocked. I really was shocked and didn't quite know what to do with that, especially since I had just thought I had discerned God was telling me to be content where you are. So I talked it over with Carol, and we said, maybe this is something beyond our own understanding. So I got back to the person. I said, yes, it's all right if you pass my name along. 
you do know that there's, my, my MLI has not been released. I'm not actively looking for anything. She said, I know. Well, that was the beginning of August last year, one year ago. Well, August came and went. September came and went. <laughs> Derek came and candidated, and things were really, really energizing here. October almost came and went, and I, I completely forgot that there was even a contact. When I did remember, I said, well, see, that went away. That took care of itself. The end of October, I got a call from our conference minister. And he said, Hope Mennonite Church Search Committee has asked to look at your profile. Are you willing to release it to them? And I said, well, I haven't re released it to anybody. He said, I know. I wouldn't release it generally, but just on this occasion, are you willing? I said, I've got to talk to my wife. So I did. And again, we said, all right, let's at least see what God has in mind even though we're not sure what we have in mind. Well, that was October. Rest of October came and went. Rest of November came and went. And I said, see, that went away. And Clarence had told me, yeah, they're looking at a number of profiles. It's not just yours. They'll have a bunch. And I'm thinking, they probably found some younger you know, pastor, which a lot of churches are looking for now. That took care of itself. I won't hear anymore, and I can get my head all the way here. Christmas came and went. Between Christmas and New Year's, I got a call from the search committee chair. She introduced herself and said, um, we're looking at a number of profiles, We'd like to know, would you like to see our congregational profile? I said, all right. She said, well, I'll arrange for Clarence to forward that to you. That came in January of this year. I looked it over. I thought it was a solid congregation. I liked in their written materials how they described themselves and their mission. I could see some level of compatibility there. I really wasn't thinking anything very seriously, though. Um, by the middle of January, I had another conversation with the search committee chair. She said, what did you think? I said, well, I complimented them on their good work and their good vision. Um, she said, would you be open to a conference call with our search committee? She said, we've narrowed it down to several people, and you're one of them, and we'd like to have a phone conversation with you. So we arranged that for, I think it was Valentine's Day. And so uh, we talked on the phone and checked in with each other afterwards. How do you think it went? I said, well, I thought it was a good conversation. Uh, they had asked a lot of questions, and I tried to respond as honestly and openly as I could. And I had some questions for them. Um, search committee chair said, yeah. She said, we, we also felt it was a very good conversation. But she said, we noticed something and wanted to check this out with you. She said, we, we noticed you're very attached to Eden. She said, is that accurate? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. She said, well, we think you need more time. 
to think about whether you want to go any further. And they backed off. Not that they had been very high pressure to this point. They hadn't been at all. But they backed off and gave me space. Never experienced that in any employment search situation and never experienced that from a search committee. But they were serious. And I came to find out, too, they had been given a mandate from their church. Take your time. We are not in a hurry. We have a great interim pastor named Mike Bogard. Things are cool here. Take the time to discern where God is leading. As much time as you need. So in March, mid-March, I went on retreat by myself at the Magnificat Center in Wichita. And it was that late winter time. Uh, you could walk on the grounds there of the beautiful St. Joseph Parish, and you could see, you know, through the, the tufts of dead grass, there's green shoots pushing up. And you could see new life was coming. And so it was a good time to be there. And... Uh, I did a lot of walking, did a lot of walking prayer, a lot of walking prayer. I'd go out for, oh, several blocks of a couple hours at a time, walk on the grounds, and also walk in neighborhoods around Wichita. I didn't, didn't know where I was. I just walked streets and thought and looked up and looked around and tried to come to a sense of whether it was time to let go of Eden and whether I could do that. Didn't, really didn't want to think about it in an egotistical way. I knew Eden could get along without me. It wasn't that. Was, it, was the timing right, really? And I came back from that retreat saying, yes, I can. I can let go. And I called the search committee chair with that message. And so on April, first weekend in April, Carol and I arranged to go down on a Saturday and meet person to person with the search committee it was a good day. And, uh, and again, contact after that, how do you think it went? And we both said it went fine. Um, I had to ask at that point, though, are you talking to anyone else? And they said no. They said, we, we probably want to contact you again, but it'll have to wait till after Easter. Well, the rest of April came and went, and Easter came and went, and we're on into May. And... Mother's Day came and went, and this was not a high-pressure group. So um, May 22nd, we arranged to meet at the Western District Conference Center. Uh, they had some more questions for me, <laughs> and we went, uh, we went back and forth in conversation again. Finally, uh, we reached kind of a lull in the situation, and I said, would you like me to step out for a few minutes so you can talk together? They said, Yes, we would appreciate that. So I did. I was gone for about 10 minutes, and they invited me back in. And they said, we want you to be our candidate for pastor. And I said I was willing to do that. Now, in the intervening time, because this had taken so long, I said, you know, the worship calendar is kind of filled up. I said, my next, my next available Sunday would be July 20. And they said, well, let's go for that. So July 19 and 20, Carol had, as you probably are aware, one of those long involved weekends where you try to meet everybody you can. And it was a good, good set of connections and brought the message there on Sunday morning. Last Sunday, 
I got a call uh, from the search committee chair saying the vote had been very strong and wanted to extend it to me an invitation to be their next pastor. And I said, I accept. I'm coming to hope. There has been a guidance definitely beyond my own understanding. I've tried to put my time here in perspective. And it's been a help to talk with many of you as I've talked and many of you have responded. Um, what I'm hearing mostly is that you see my time here kind of the way I see it. We're glad you came. We're glad you stayed during that turbulent period of time. And we'll be sorry to see you go, but we're in a much better situation now. Things are really, really fresh and exciting. There's new energy. So we'll be sorry to see you go, but we'll be okay. And I really felt that too, that you'll be okay. And so with all that, all that journey and all that processing and all that discerning, I want to read to you this. Dear brothers and sisters, after a process of discernment lasting a year, God has led me to a new chapter in life. Hope Mennonite Church in Wichita has called me to be their pastor, and I have accepted. Therefore, I will resign as lead pastor at Eden, effective November 9th, 2014. I prepare to leave Eden with fond memories, important relationships, and deep affection for our congregation. And I know that God will continue to direct your paths. Trust in God is an act of spiritual surrender. Trusting God on the journey is not about knowing everything that's ahead. It's about relationship. It's about knowing the one who holds the possibilities beyond our own understanding. Trust in God means opening ourselves to possibilities beyond the limits of our own feelings and abilities and perspectives and plans. And we do have this promise the Lord will direct our paths.